0: Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them.
1: Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 30. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop." And dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people went. The people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Mm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So moving on through the life of Moses and, you know, such a a fascinating and rightfully disturbing and um, ultimately beautiful passage. You know, we, we see just so much theology here right. that points to Christ and, and ultimately this uh, idea that our sins are so grave that it calls for the death of something so dear as a firstborn son, and, and um, Christ ultimately satisfying that. Uh, Jackson, what are your thoughts on this passage and how it relates to Hebrews eleven?
0: I think you're totally right. It's a rich passage that you know so much can be said about the Passover. It, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, you know just quick story it's actually a special passage for for me and my family. Mm. So my wife was a, a high school senior, uh, didn't come from uh, a Christian home and ended up in a Bible study where uh, her assistant crew coach taught on the Passover and she connected the Passover to Jesus as mm. the true and better Passover lamb. And that was when the scales fell off for my wife. And so she trusted Christ as a high school senior through this passage. And it's, and, and that makes sense to me because it's that kind of passage, right? Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. But as I try to make sense of this in light of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, which says that Moses by faith kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer, the firstborn might not touch God's people. Um, it, it makes me go back a little bit. So I'm, I'm thinking of Moses and, and, you know, last time we saw Moses, uh, we're, we're seeing that he considered the reproach of Christ, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. And, and ultimately that led him to leave Egypt, to flee to Midian. Yeah. And, and, and then the Lord appeared to him and said, all right, I'm going to use you. You're going to be my servant mm. and you're going to function as a type of redeemer for my people. And Moses, I mean, I think rightfully. Uh, or, or understandably balks at that a little bit. He, mm-hmm. He's just like, "What, what in the world am I supposed to be doing?" And uh, and so back in Exodus three, uh, we see the Lord say, "Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, "Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt?" And he said, "And the Lord said, but I will be with you, and this mm-hmm. shall be your sign.'" And he mm a sign for you, but but the Lord says, I will be with you. And that leads to uh, these plagues that come and Moses going back to a place where he he's sort of persona non grata and he goes and says Pharaoh, you know, the, the Lord says do this, the mm-hmm. Lord says do this, the Lord says, let my people go. And and so I think this entire uh, section of scripture demonstrates the incredible trust that Moses placed in the Lord because of the person of God, you know, he says, I am who I am and I will be with you. I'll go with you. And Moses says, okay, like, let's do it then. And so he goes at great personal risk in in believing in just something that I think even in the ancient Near East would sound crazy. And he participates in this exacting of justice upon Egypt uh, through these various plagues. And that culminates here, in the final plague or, or the final, um, judgment of, uh, of the destroyer coming and, and, uh, killing the firstborn of all those who didn't paint the doorposts. And so, so I think what we're seeing is this, this culmination of Moses's faith, where he leads the people of God on the basis of atonement, the, the lamb's blood being spilt to be saved from God's wrath and delivered from slavery and, and so we see wonderful gospel illusions but we see Moses acting an in incredible faith to say all right God I'm gonna I'm gonna on the basis of your character on the basis of your presence with me I will do what you said mm-hmm. I'm supposed to do
1: yeah what's really striking to me about the Passover is Israel is not spared Mm-mm. based off of a long account of righteousness and, and righteous acts They are are not brought out of Egypt because of any worthiness. And and, um, one of the pivotal, this is a a story for another time, but one of the pivotal, I keep saying pivotal, wow, (laughs) pivotal moments of my life was reading Deuteronomy 7 and 9. Um, And in in chapter 7, Moses basically says, the Lord did not save you because you were some great and mighty nation. You were actually the least of all nations. Mm -hmm. He only saved you. Cause he's faith because he set his love on you Amen. and is faithful to his word. And then chapter nine is like, and yeah, you're the least, but also the Lord didn't save you because you were like worthy of being saved because you are a stiff necked people and have right. done nothing but prove that since he saved you. Yep. And I just resonate with that so deeply, but the people of Israel were saved on account of one act of belief. Yep. And because they believed God like Abraham, it was counted to them as righteousness. And, you know, one of my favorite, I I love like old church, like especially Anglican sort of, uh, symbolism Mm -hmm. and stuff in church buildings and church traditions. And one thing that you'll notice about a lot of old churches is the doors are red Uh and obviously there's sort of like a Passover illusion there, but, um, really what that symbolizes and the reason that that's a big old church tradition is when you enter in through into the church, you are entering into God's presence through the blood of Christ. So like the blood of the lamb of God is the doorway into which we can enter communion with God. And and, you know, it makes me think of Hosea Mm two. He, he turns the Valley of trouble into a door of hope And, Uh and that door is the blood of the lamb
0: amen yeah you know jason preached on this passage uh, a few weeks back maybe it was a month ago now but one of the things he talked about that i've i've found so encouraging over the years is the idea that it didn't take strong faith for the the destroyer to pass over the various families yes yes. right i mean this is one of those passages that that speaks to those of us and, and I put my myself in that category that that often possess weak faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, DA Carson has this wonderful sermon that he gave a long time ago where he he talks about the the one Jewish man who's just terrified and and he goes and nevertheless, even though he's terrified, even though he's worried about what's gonna happen, he still goes through with the whole dinner process and the roasting of the lamb and he and he and he paints the the, the blood over his doorpost and he goes in with fear and trembling into his house. Mm. And then there's that bold, confident man who says, I believe in the promises of God, yeah. bring it on. And he goes and paints the blood yeah. and then he, you know, he wonderfully builds attention and asks now, which one did the Lord pass over? He says, well, both, right? Because it's not on the basis of the strength or veracity of one's faith over the other. It's on the basis of the blood. Yeah. Yeah. It's the object of the faith rather than the strength of the faith. And so this is one of those great passages for a million reasons, but it it speaks to the incredible blood of Jesus, what it accomplishes on our behalf as we consider this through New Testament lens. But it also, I think, serves as a wonderful encourager of faith for those of us, for those of us who may not always have a particularly strong faith mm-hmm. because we have a particularly strong God.
1: Yeah. And what's even better for us is, you know, if you went to Egypt today, you wouldn't be able to go find a house that has wet blood still on it. Mm. That blood's nowhere to be found. Yeah. And, and in fact, it, it lost its power pretty quickly because they, they go out into the wilderness and they rebel yep. and, and they have to continually offer sacrifices for their sins. Right. Because the blood of sheep and goats can never full as Hebrews talks about it can never fully sanctify somebody in the sight of God, and yet because Christ you know w- was begotten and lived fully in-, in the trials and temptations of us and yet rose to life through the grave, his blood will never lose its power oh, so man. it's a it's a better word and a better blood ah amen. All right. Well, for Jackson Randall, this is Will Carlisle. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant. And Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's word.